Hi, my name is Pamela Coons, Associate Professor of Medicine in the Division of Oncology at Yale School of Medicine and Yale Cancer Center. I'm excited to announce ASCO's new open access journal, JCO Oncology Advances. As the inaugural editor-in-chief, I hope to support JCO Oncology Advances to become the premier platform to bridge the gap between accessible scientific research and clinical care. Stay tuned for more information, including new article types, at ascopubs.org forward slash JCO Oncology Advances. We look forward to seeing your submissions in spring of 2024. This JCO podcast provides observations and commentary on the JCO article, The Effects of Organizational Characteristics on the Outcomes and Resource Use in Patients with Cancer Admitted to Intensive Care Units by Marcio Suarez et al. My name is Dr. Stephen M. Pastores. I am the Critical Care Medicine Program Director in the Department of Anesthesiology and Critical Care at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York City and Professor of Medicine and Anesthesiology at Weill Cornell Medical College. My clinical practice is focused on the comprehensive care and treatment of cancer patients in the ICU. Cancer patients, mostly patients with solid tumors and hematologic malignancies, account for up to 15% of all ICU admissions. The most common reasons for ICU admission of patients with cancer are respiratory failure requiring ventilatory support, renal failure, septic shock with cardiovascular failure requiring vasopressors, and need for postoperative monitoring after complex cancer surgery procedures. Major advances in anti-cancer therapies and supportive management of organ dysfunctions over the past two decades have improved survival rates for cancer patients admitted to the ICU. Much of the literature related to the care of critically ill cancer patients has focused on specific clinical conditions, outcomes, and triage procedures. Although several studies have reported the significant impact of hospital and ICU organizational factors on outcome and resource use in critically ill patients in general, very few studies have addressed the impact of these same factors on outcomes and resource use in cancer patients admitted to the ICU. In the current JCO article, Dr. Suarez and colleagues present the results of a prospectively defined sub-study of the orchestra study, Organizational Characteristics in Critical Care, conducted in Brazil that enrolled almost 60,000 patients admitted to ICUs in the year 2013. The results of the orchestra study were published by the same authors in Intensive Care Medicine in December 2015. In the orchestra study, the authors showed that the number of fully implemented clinical protocols was the only organizational characteristic associated with hospital mortality, and that there was a significant trend toward efficient resource use as the number of protocols increased. However, a similar multi-center prospective observational study of over 6,000 critically ill patients admitted to 59 ICUs in primarily academic medical centers in the United States and published in Critical Care Medicine in 2015 showed that the presence of a greater number of protocols 
was not associated with protocol compliance or patient mortality. The authors suggested that the beneficial effects of protocol use may be dependent on better compliance, clinician education, ICU culture change, communication, and other essential components of effective delivery of critical care. In the present study that is the subject of this podcast, the authors investigated the impact of organizational characteristics and process of care on hospital mortality and resource use in almost 10,000 cancer patients who were admitted to 70 Brazilian ICUs, 51 located in general hospitals, and 19 in cancer centers in the year 2013. Most of the hospitals, 63%, were private for-profit, and 86% of the ICUs were medical surgical ICUs. Board-certified intensivists were present 24-7 in 20% of the ICUs, and the average bed-to-nurse ratio was 1.41. Clinical pharmacists were available more frequently at cancer centers than in general hospitals, while regular multidisciplinary rounds occurred more frequently in general hospitals. Approximately half of the patients with cancer were medical admissions and the other half were surgical. The vast majority, 90% of the patients, had solid tumors, 28% of whom had metastatic disease. Gastrointestinal, cerebral nervous system, and lung were the most common solid tumors, while lymphomas, leukemias, and multiple myeloma were the most frequent hematologic malignancies. Overall ICU mortality was 16% and hospital mortality 25.4% and was comparable between general hospitals and cancer centers. Multivariable logistic regression analysis showed that the implementation of protocols, presence of clinical pharmacists in the ICU, and daily meetings between oncologists and intensivists were associated with lower hospital mortality. Additionally, daily meetings between the oncology and ICU teams and a higher number of protocols were associated with more efficient ICU resource use. This study has several vital implications for clinical practice. Firstly, it is the first study to provide supporting evidence for the importance of close collaboration between oncologists and intensivists in optimizing patient care and outcomes through several measures, including timely ICU admission of high-risk cancer patients, recognition of toxic side effects, and goals of care discussions to enhance end-of-life care and reduce family and caregiver anxiety and distress. Second, it supports the utility of clinical protocols, particularly those directed at prevention of healthcare-associated infections, such as ventilator-associated pneumonias, timely recognition and management of septic patients, use of lung protective ventilation in patients with acute respiratory distress syndrome, and sedation, interruption, and early mobility to liberate patients from mechanical ventilation. Third, the study reinforces the value of clinical pharmacists in the ICU in improving patient outcomes 
by reducing drug prescribing errors, adverse drug events, and costs, particularly in cancer patients who are commonly on several different medications with potential for toxicity or drug interactions. It is important, however, to underscore the limitations of this study. First, the cancer patients were all admitted to ICUs in Brazil, and thus some caution is needed when extrapolating these results to other countries with different healthcare systems. Notably, only a small number of public hospitals were involved in the study. Second, there was no audit performed to confirm the implementation of protocols, the daily meetings between the oncology and ICU teams, and the actions taken by the ICU pharmacists. Third, only a small number of patients with hematologic malignancies were included. Finally, the study does not provide information regarding long-term outcomes and quality of life, nor of the organization and process of care before and after the ICU stay, both of which can be explored for future research. In summary, ICU organizational characteristics and processes of care, particularly the implementation of protocols, availability of ICU pharmacists, and close collaboration between the oncology and ICU teams are associated with improved patient outcomes and more efficient resource use. These factors should be strongly considered in the care of all cancer patients admitted to the ICU. This concludes this JCO podcast. Thank you for listening. For more original research, editorials, and review articles, please visit us online at jco.org. This production is copyrighted to the American Society of Clinical Oncology. Thank you for listening.